0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. A Christian hymn puts to music what God's word says is true. Now, sometimes a hymn will tell a story from the scriptures, or set forth the details of a scriptural doctrine. Christian hymnody binds together the teaching of God's word with our response to it. Often a hymn will follow the structure of the psalms taking the form of God speaking to his people or the form of a servant of a sermon one christian talking to another about god or a prayer the christian speaking to god sometimes a hymn will contain aspects of all three but tonight's hymn is most clearly a prayer we ask that Jesus would come to us. And as we discuss this hymn, you might find it helpful to have the text in front of you. Now, the prayer for Jesus to come has always been the prayer of the church. The Old Testament Christians looked forward to his coming and prayed for it. And just as the book of Revelation concludes, the church today prays, Come, Lord Jesus, even as many of us also pray in the common table prayer. Therefore, the coming of Christ to us is first God's promise, and his promise forms the basis of our prayer. Without God's grace, without his promise, we would be destroyed in our sin by his coming. Without the promise that Jesus will come to us, Asking him to come to us would be the height of arrogance. So how can we possibly, in our sin, demand that God come to save us? But the gospel of Christmas is that Jesus, God in human flesh, has come to us and made us his own. He has promised to return to deliver us, And so therefore, by his word and grace, we poor sinners dare to pray in faith for his coming and from God's own promise. We know that this is a prayer that he loves to hear and to answer. Now this hymn, then, is part of the church's long history of praying for the Lord's coming. A version of this text has been used by the Catholic Church since the 7th or 8th century, and a prose translation of it appears in your hymnal. You'll see the title there, The Great O Antiphons. O naturally comes from the beginning line, and antiphon comes from their use in the Church. Now, antiphons are are short texts that are chanted or sung before and after a psalm or canticle. The most common place you probably encounter them is in the intro at each Sunday, that sentence or two that appears before the psalm and after the glory be to the Father. Anyway, these particular antiphons would have been prayed during the church's evening service of Vespers, bookending the Magnificat, the song of praise from Mary when she visits her cousin Elizabeth. And each of these antiphons follow a particular structure. Addressed to Jesus, each antiphon calls him by a title and then expands that title or applies it. Then there is a petition for Jesus to come and do something for us. Now sometime around the 12th or 13th century, five stanzas of this prose were adapted into a hymn and the structure was inverted. And so now, O Come, is followed by a title for Jesus, along with an expanded petition. And then each stanza concludes with a refrain, which promises that Jesus will indeed come. Just as Jesus was with his ancient people in Israel, and as Emmanuel, God with us, in Bethlehem, so also will he indeed come again to his new Israel, the church. He will come to you. And in the hymn version, this last antiphon becomes the first stanza, because that's the theme and the point of the entire text. Now, this tune comes from comes to us Um, It's a funeral chant that was used in a monastic community of French nuns. And that particular tune um, has the refrain, Free me, Lord, from eternal death. It's the constant prayer of the Christian. And so in a way, these petitions are applications of that petition, Deliver Us From Evil. Now, as time went on, other antiphons were added, and some sources have as many as 12. But it seems that the seven before us are the original. And when this hymn was adopted for the American Episcopal Hymnal in 1940, the five Catholic hymn stanzas were reordered to follow the original antiphons, and two stanzas were restored our stanzas two and seven, and this is the version we have today. Although this hymn is a prayer, it also tells the history of salvation as Old Testament titles are applied to Jesus, and each one could be a sermon in itself. And so tonight I'm actually going to focus on the original antiphons themselves, O oh, wisdom proceeding from the mouth of the Most High, pervading and permeating all creation, mightily ordering all things, come and teach us the way of prudence. In the beginning was the wisdom of God, proceeding from his mouth and accomplishing that for which he sent it. For the Father spoke forth the true word, and he has set all things in order. By him all things were created, things in heaven and things on earth. He built order into the creation, the order of authority, of property, of name, of family, and life. The order described to us in the Ten Commandments. And St. Paul goes further. Christ crucified is a scandal to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But the crucified and risen one is the power and the wisdom of God. So we pray that our Lord Jesus would teach us to walk in his way, the way of wisdom. O Adonai, and ruler of the house of Israel, who appeared to Moses in the burning bush and gave him the law on Sinai, come with an outstretched arm and redeem us. Here, Jesus is addressed by an Old Testament term for Lord. This title is also spoken by pious Jews when they encounter the divine name, I am who I am, or Yahweh in the Old Testament. For it was I am who appeared to Moses in the burning bush and gave him the law on Mount Sinai. This I am, the antiphon declares, is Jesus himself, with outstretched arms, our coming Redeemer. O oh, Root of Jesse, standing as an ensign before the peoples, before, before whom all kings are mute, to whom the nations will do homage, come quickly to deliver us. Now as the fourth stanza adapts this antiphon, there's a bit of a change, and we see that Jesus himself Is both the root and source of Jesse, the father of King David. For just as King David defeated his enemies, Jesus defeated Satan, the ruler of this world in his death upon the cross. His cross stands as the ensign before all peoples, for he has come as the world's Savior. Before him, all the nations will be silent and without excuse for he will come and deliver us from our enemies. O key of David and scepter of the house of Israel, you open and no one can close, you close and no one can open. Come and rescue the prisoners who are in darkness and in the shadow of death. O dayspring, splendor of light everlasting, come and enlighten those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. Now this title King of the Key of David comes from Isaiah 22 where the one who manages the king's house is said to have this key. Jesus is the door and the key of heaven himself. He opens and no one can shut. He shuts and no one can open. The door to heaven is the way out of our imprisonment in this present darkness and under the shadow of death. And this turn of phrase begins to direct us to the New Testament, where Zechariah declares that Jesus is the day spring, or the, the sunrise visiting us from on high, giving light to all those who dwell in darkness and in the shadow of death. He is a new era in God's revelation. As the very light of the world. O King of the nations, the ruler they long for, the cornerstone uniting all people, come and save us all, whom you formed out of clay. Jesus is the ruler of all and the cornerstone of all creation. He is the true temple, built on the foundation of the prophets and apostles himself being the cornerstone who was rejected. In him in Him, and in him alone there is peace. In him there is one doctrine and one fellowship, true unity. And finally then, O Emmanuel, our King and our Lord, the anointed for the nations and their Savior, come and save us, O, our, o Lord our God. Emmanuel, God with us, conceived in the womb of the Virgin, God has taken on our flesh and visited and redeemed us. He is the anointed King with all authority in heaven and on earth, who shed his blood for all nations, and surely he is with us to the end of the age. Therefore, he will redeem us, his new Israel, from all our trouble. Now one more thing about these antiphons. Each of these O antiphons has a date. And in this way, they serve as a kind of countdown to Christmas. And in the original Latin, these are this is a reverse acrostic poem. So each day, another letter gets added. And so when the last antiphon is prayed on December 23rd, the initial letters are read in reverse, and the faithful saints hear arrow cross, meaning tomorrow I will be, or tomorrow I will be present. And so the message of the acrostic becomes clear, and Christ's coming on the next day, on Christmas Eve, is proclaimed. And so this final antiphon most explicitly declares that we are praying to Jesus, God in our flesh, but tomorrow I will be present, isn't just a promise for Christmas. It is the eternal promise of our King and our Savior, our dayspring and key and the eternal wisdom, Emmanuel himself, God with us. He will come and save us. Rejoice, rejoice. Emmanuel, God with us, shall come to you, O Israel. Even so, amen. Come, Lord Jesus. In the holy name of Jesus, amen. The peace of God, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.